0: Yeah, that didn't go as well as I thought it would. Kind of like our transfer window. My intro didn't go as well as I thought it would. Um, and we're sitting here at 5 past 11. Yeah, Big Ben was off, wasn't it? Because it you was know, five minutes off with Big Ben. So that was just really shambolic to, from, from start to finish. Um, <laughs> moving swiftly along, I have a bone to pick with every single one of you guys out there. I left at 7 o'clock. And I returned at half past ten. About quarter past ten. We had no signings. Like, did any of you do anything? I'm tired. Anyway, transfer windows shut. We uh, will monitor the wires. Unlikely, as it always is, uh, for anything to be done. And I'm always skeptical of when a club mentions... That they've signed somebody almost about four or five minutes before the the deadline that uh, that, that is it. Um, where are we? I'm just seeing here. Whoa, Jesus. I closed Twitter for two seconds. I opened it up and I had 26 notifications and you still haven't signed anyone. Good Lord. Um, right, lads. What we've done today, I think, is functional business. I know there's a lot of doom and gloom, there's a lot of negativity, and people are saying this player's shit, that player's shit, and everything like that, that's fine, you guys can think that, would, you know I'm not here to convince anybody either way, but for me, from a personal point of view, I think we've signed two functional players today, I think we've put height into our team, I think people are way, 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 way too down on, like, he's, as I've said before, we haven't signed Lothar Mateus and we haven't signed Franco Baresi, and we were never going to sign massive, massive players. Uh, as in when I say that, like we were, we were not, we weren't going to get involved in the Lucas Paqueta's. We, sh- we should have, but it was, it, we weren't going to get involved in that later on in the in the in the window, and we weren't going to get involved in in big centre half deals. Um, I think the club believe, and they genuinely believe, and I think the doctors at the club and the physios at the club genuinely believe that Diego Carlos will be back before the end of the season. So I think this—I think it's been some shrewdish business. I think it's been shrewd business. We've look, we fended off. We could have, if if the club was just about acid stripping and being tight for the sake of being tight at the moment. I think they would have flogged Douglas Louise for the twenty million, twenty-five million that Arsenal were looking for, and they wouldn't have cared about leaving a gaping hole in our midfield. Yes, we didn't, we didn't get anybody in, and I'll be honest with you, I'm pretty sour that we didn't get anybody in so far. I'm going to be really relying on you guys. Going to be really relying on you guys if anything breaks on Twitter to let me know. And hopefully it could be one of those ones. Because actually, remember when Diego Carlos signed? Was it Diego Carlos? It signed that we were doing the pod. And next thing all of a sudden, he signed in the middle of the pod. And I was like incredulous at like five o'clock in the afternoon or something like that whenever he signed. So I'm relying on you guys. But I think we've signed two functional players. That, look, they're not sexy players by any matter of means. But at the moment we're conceding such horrible goals. We're conceding so much ground in midfield that the two players that we've signed at least will kick people up in the air. Or front people up or hit fellas belt to shoulders or, you know, maybe clear the ball in the air. That'd be nice. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to have somebody who can clear the ball in the air confidently? Two gentlemen that we've brought in are higher are taller guys and should have the ability to clear the ball in the air. Now, the elephant in the room is. what Will the tactic be with them? Like, what, what will we see on the field? Are, are the two of them going to be pushed out wide left? <laughs> what's going to happen? Like, you know, we just don't know what's going to happen there. Um, and I think all in all, look, there there might have to be a small bit of climbing down from high horses here now, um, from management and from players. And what I mean by this is that, like, yes, we haven't seen the likes in the Cambo, we haven't seen the likes of Morgan Sanson, we've loaned out. We've loaned out some pretty good young players over the last couple of days as well, um, and we've loaned out, you know, the likes of Ken Kessler, Hayden, Louis Barry, all those beforehand. So there might be a bit of cap and hand having to go here from both players and managers because, like, genuinely, like the road goes both ways when a, when a relationship breaks down. And yes, one person is going to be together. And none of us know whether, whether Jared was a prick to in any of these players or whether these players deserved it or whatever. None of us know that. None of us will know that. It's all inference at the moment. But I think there's going to have to be a bit of cap on hand towards maybe Morgan Sanson, maybe in um, with regards to this. Because they will count towards, I would imagine, and we'll know tomorrow or the day after the day after, whenever the 25-man squads are announced. We'll know whether that's happened. Um because we're gonna to need to we're gonna need them to fill our twenty-five man squads at this moment in time. Um I'm just checking just checking here to see if anything has gone in. No, no, no. Um so look, I suppose realistically speaking, here that the like the players that we've signed, as I've said before, they're not I, I, we're going to take a look at them as well, again, just for the guys who missed it earlier on. You can go back. We'll take a, a, a fleeting look. I went into more detail in, in specifically in Dendonka and Bednarik than I will tonight. But uh, you can go back and look at the other, at the other pods I did uh, for a more in-depth uh, look at them. But we'll look at those in a moment. But I think, look, regardless of what we got out of the day today, I can guarantee you if I was doing this, doing this stream today and we had signed um, Alexander Izak and we had signed Lucas Paqueta and we had signed Sven Botman, Ironically, two of those players went to Newcastle. But if we'd signed those players on deadline day today, and we still Stephen Gerrard in charge, I think we'd still have a lot of the same questions. I think we'd still, I think the, I think the 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 chat would be still would still be saying, "Oh, I'm still worried about relegation because I don't know if Stephen Gerrard put them out in the right in the right shape or the right tactic." I think that's a fair comment to say. Like, okay, substitute in whatever players you want. But I still think that there would be a core group of, of of fans that still wouldn't believe that Jared would be able to get a tune out of them, and I think I kind of felt I would potentially feel that way as well based on what we've seen at the start to this year. Now the fact that we've gone out as a club and we've signed two defensive players makes me feel. A small a bit more easy about that because we've conceded some absolutely woefully, we've conceded some embarrassing goals, really embarrassing goals, and this is going back to going back a year, two years. So we've been conceding these pretty shocking goals, you know, and and from that point of view, uh, I, I I'm I'm going to be a bit happier. Seeing an awful lot of it in the chat here as well about do we move to the double pivot? I think it's imperative. I think it's absolutely imperative now we move to double pivot. I just think we have to, the Dunker and Kamara inside there would be really good partnership, a really, really good partnership inside there. They really would be. And we don't need two of those pivot players. If you think about it, if any of you guys go back and you look at the Kamara video I did when he first started, he's an absolute glutton for work. As in, you can feed him as much ball as you want at 22 years of age and he will pass it at a 90%, at a 90% success rate. He is that metronomic passer, and I think, and I genuinely believe, like, with himself and the dunker in there, he can maybe push maybe 10 yards further forward and be that first line of defence before people get to the dunker, and the dunker will be the guy who'll be drifting in between the two centre-halves while our full-backs go forward. So, from this point of view, I think that there's a potential, and don't get me wrong here, I don't know what the hell the man is going to do in the dugout. I don't think anybody knows what he's going to do. But the potential that you can see for this—he's a—it's a much better fit than Luis and Kamara moving in tandem or moving in a flat midfield tree. Or it's a much better fit, I think, than Akamba and and Kamara. And the reason I say that is because could you guys cast your minds back, your minds eye back to Aston Villa versus Spurs? I'm mentally scarred. I'm physically scarred after it. I eviscerated um, Ezri Konsa and and uh, our back our, our, our midfield in general um, after that game but can you cast your mind's eye back to that and see how harry kane just manhandled and just basically plunked himself in the middle of the field and we had no height to deal with him whatsoever with that straight long ball that came into him or even the ball that came diagonally towards him and like the fact that we've got into somebody as tall in midfield as the dunker is it's, it's underrated and look tallness isn't his only is it isn't his only attribute but look when you try and look to see maybe potential reasons Like I've said before, he's not Lothar Mateus. He's not, for the younger guys that are out there, I'm going to say he's not Rodri. Okay, he's not Rodri. We know he's not Rodri. We're not expecting him. We shouldn't expect him to be like that. But he's a functional defender in the Premier League. He's a functional defensive midfielder. And he knows how to play in a double pivot because he's played there with with Ruben Neves and with Moutinho and previously with Wolves. And he plays at the right on the right side of a back back three for Belgium more often than not. So when he fits into that back three, so when we are defending, if he does need to fit into the back three to make it a five or when we're attacking, if he's the last man, if he's going to be the last midfielder back, which he will be, look at all these statistics. Let me bring up his statistics here. Let me bring up his statistics here and just see where uh, where this might fit in for us. Um, like just like if we look at his passing, his possession stats he ain't there to be passing he, he he doesn't have time for passing the ball as in when he does he does it at a pretty, pretty decent rate see him there and he's, he's in the top 21% of midfielders in europe but he doesn't want to he doesn't he doesn't long to want to be that passer of the ball he wants to kick people up in the air he wants to commit fouls he wants to and the aerial duel success rate there um it it's that that's based on there's a long story behind that, but I, I would I, there's context behind the forty nine point point four percent. He's obviously better in the air than that when you actually watch him, watch him play. But look at him; he's he's blocks, he's passes blocked, he's dribble, he's very rarely dribbled past. He tackles dribblers. He's a decent amount of pressures. He's essentially what, what it would be like to have a a a defensive midfield version of of a center half playing in defensive midfield he's going to be a first line of defense before he he can take a buffer off the two lads two lads at the back and that's fine i think i think that's fine i think i can see reasons for it i'm not trying to convince anybody of the signing here i know we've had a pretty poor window i'm not being propagandist okay or anything like that i'm I'm, i don't have the comments open so i don't know if anybody if anybody is using me of being a propagandist i don't know um so i'm not having a shot across anyone's bow or anything like that but um I'm not trying to be propaganda here, but I can see why this man was signed. And to be honest with you, the more I've had time to listen to it or, or think about it, the more I'm a bit happier because it it, it, just, it just gives us that opportunity to play that double pivot. And to play it well because, you know, the, having the Nakamba in there, he still gets out-muscled. Having um, Luis in, in there, we've seen him get out-muscled from time to time. I'm not expecting this guy to, to be out-muscled just not and i think we need something like that like last year you i i i used to drive paddy mad saying we should sign Oriel romeo to sit at the base of our midfield because i wanted a guy who just didn't wasn't interested at all in ha- having passing statistics he just wanted to get it to the nearest player but he wanted to kick people up into the air and someone who played well against us and aurel romeo used to always play well against us just a functional blocker in the middle of midfield and, and just literally a team player a water carrier a team player and that's what we've signed in the donker. We've signed somebody who's better than Romeo and significantly younger. Um, yeah. And as I say, look, he's not hes not a crown jewel or anything. But at the end of the season, I think we'll be speaking fondly of the donker. And we'll be looking at him. and We'll be saying, yes, you know what? Fair. He came in. He did, he did a shift for us and he did it really well. And, you know, 12 million was a steal or whatever it was. I could see us saying that. I could see us saying that about him. Let me look at some of your comments. I don't know if this is gonna be pretty because, uh, as I say, it's uh, it's not been the most. Um, not a lot has happened. Uh, 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 Aubameyang signed with Chelsea, lads. Uh, oh, uh, as well, another one. Um. Oh, AvFC agent Jared, you'll have the numbers in this. I think I think you saw it. I think you said it in the Villa view. I think Villa had a net spend of thirty nine million for a finish, in and around that. Um. Probably a bit less. I can't remember what it is. What it is, as Chelsea's net spend. Chelsea, if Chelsea had signed Singaria and Edson Alvarez that they were supposed to sign today, or sorry, if they were to have signed um, Edson Alvarez and Zakaria, which they did sign Zakaria albeit on loan, as they could have had, they could have, there would have been up at nearly four hundred million. I think they broke the Euro, the Real Madrid single window transfer record for amount of fees spent, and they only recouped a small amount of money. I can't remember who they, who they recouped money for. Uh, Werner, I think it was something like 30, 30 million that they recouped. So they had something like a net spend of, I would say their net spend was, was probably about, over 300 million, I'd say, for a finish. Wild stuff, wild stuff, wild stuff. And it makes me believe that, you know, there's going to come a time whereby, I don't know, regardless of how rich our owners are, I don't know if we're ever going to be able to sustainably compete with that but that's a complete aside that's a complete aside here anyway let's have a little look um <m->, <Adjusting for music> sorry there guys jesus there's a ton of comments this is great okay um yeah and and, and chris when I was mentioning the net spend, I, I'm not even sure the net spend and the, and the ambitions matter because um when you talk about net spend, I I, I don't think it's a good barometer, even though I just did just mention it there. I think it's I think it's okay to to highlight the, the chasm between clubs. But um Man City bought Erlen Haaland, they bought Calvin Phillips, they bought Julian Alvarez, they bought Sergio Gomez. Of those four players, we were heavily linked with three of them over the last two years, so we couldn't get them over the line. And I think um Man City Came out of it with a plus, a positive transfer balance after the after the season. So I, I just don't I, don't get me wrong. Probably the total number spent is what we should be looking at, but the net spend I don't think is is a. I think that's something that was brought in by Liverpool to justify stuff at some stage uh, and to show that how well that their their recruitment was. I, I'm not sure it, it applies to a team like Aston Villa who needs. Um, uh, although we should have spent a lot of a lot more money than we did. I think the net spend is probably the wrong number to look at. I could be wrong. I don't know. I don't know. I could be. I could be wrong. Southampton got uh, got collect, car, collect a car. They should just look at my video. They should look. Uh, actually, another another funny one. Zagadu was on his way to a team in Italy. I can't remember. Was it Inter or was it Roma? Remember Zagadu free transfer. Uh, left left sided centre half that I spoke about. John Brooks signed with uh, signed with Leon um, signed with Benfica today. Talasu signed with Lyon. Uh, and I think I was there was only one other player as well. Jason Denier. I'm not sure that he signed anywhere just yet. But he was supposed to be signing with Sharjah in, in Saudi Arabia. And that fell through. And then I think he was supposed to be looking at maybe going back to Belgium somewhere. Um, so sometimes when I see these players sign for other clubs, I don't feel like I wasted my time doing videos on them. Um where else are we? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with this as well, Alex, and I don't know whether you said this before or after my impassioned plea about the Dunker, but I do kind of believe that the Dunker and Kamara would would be nice in front of a back four, but my, my big thing here is, will they play as a double pivot in front of that back four? And I suppose if they're playing a flat midfield three, it could it could allow John McGinn to go forward a small bit more in a more central role. Um, but then again, we've got no wingers, and I wasn't too impressed with Buendia playing wide left last week. Our, our our last night, should I say? Um, Bailey, I thought was pretty decent. When they, he was grand, but you know, I just don't think like I, I just didn't think he affected the game an awful lot. But uh, like the dunker is kind of throwing throwing it up in the air for me. About I'm now expecting us to change formation, and if we don't, I think the anger would be pretty pretty apparent. I think it be pretty apparent from a lot of people as well. But then again, we shouldn't really expect anything because we've expect we've we've expected there to be lots of changes. Uh, specifically, tactically, and we haven't seen it over the last twelve months, uh, for sure. Going back to the dunker here uh, for for a second, um, I'm showing his statistics here as a centre half. I should have showed you them as a midfielder, and this is what I wanted to show you as well. So when we look at it here, um, he just does he just does the simple things simple. You know, he does simple things simple. He Doesn't commit an awful lot fold, lot of fouls, and uh, as I say, he kicks people up in the air, and he just loves it, absolutely loves it. And I'm all there for that. So if we look at it here, you know, the fact that Diego, uh, De, Diego Luis, De, Douglas Luis has stayed, I think is, is nice. I, I'm still like, I still think this midfield is stale. This Aston Villa midfield is stale. It's still stale, even though we brought in the dunker. I think we needed an injection of a fresh face in here. If Luis had gone out for 25 million and we brought in a Conor Gallagher, yes, it may not have been an exact, it wouldn't actually at all have been in a like for like replacement player for player, Um. But I suppose when the when the dust settles on it, look, if like Luis isn't going to be playing in the six in the pivot position, if he is playing for Aston Villa anymore, I don't think I think he's now going to be comfortably moved up into a more uh, uh, into an eight position. And we've been saying that he may, potentially that's where his best position is. So now he should go and prove it because he's not going to have the onus of defence on him. And when we look at it here, shot creating actions and things like that, he's pretty decent. That he's pretty good to pass the ball. He's had a lot more pass attempts than somebody like it the Donker, than a McGinn, than a Jacob Ramsey. And I think I think this probably frees up our players that were saying the likes of McGinn, the likes of Ramsey, we were talking about being utilized incorrectly by Stephen Gerrard. If he's so inclined or understands why he's under why he's uh, not utilizing them correctly, it will allow him to push them maybe a small bit more forward or allow them to be a bit more creative in the middle of midfield because we will have hopefully it will work out in Dendonker and Camaro will be that hulking presence in the middle of midfield. Um Gaz asks here, did Luis want to go or what? I, well, it was reported he wanted to go, uh, but he wanted to leave on good terms. He didn't want to force a move as such. He would have been open to a move to, Ar- to Arsenal, but uh, Ornstein said that he didn't want to force a move and that um, uh, apparently it's, it, it's a case whereby he accepts Aston Villa's decision. You know, he, he knows he's on a free transfer anyway at the end of the season, so either Aston Villa paying big bucks and he... He um, he signs a deal or he leaves, he speaks to foreign teams in in January and he can sign a pre contractual agreement or he goes on a free in, um, in in at the end of the season or we sell him for five million or 10 million or less or seven million or whatever in January. And look, I suppose the club didn't I, I firmly believe the club probably would have sold him if they could get in a quality replacement. But I don't think that they that they could, uh, and they they didn't expect to want have to sell him if that makes sense until the news broke last night that the likes of Arsenal, Liverpool, Atletico Madrid, all these were were interested in him, and and I and I think they were looking at keeping him and adding Dendonker in, and I think Dendonker would have been our midfield um our midfield addition. And look, we all know that we've been crying out for an eight, and Dendonker isn't that eight. So beside that point, but I don't think they 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 would have thought about actually selling him. And it was only then when when they when bids were coming in then that it was a case of, well, a bid has come in for you. And he's going, I'd like to explore it, but I want to leave on good terms. These things happen in football. Just because somebody has a bid bid rejected for them doesn't mean they kick the ties out of the pram and the act all stubborn and stroppy. Um we've seen it before. We've seen Eves Basuma didn't throw his ties out of the pram for, for Brighton last season when there was like forty million pound bids being rejected for him. Um you know, I, I'm we'll see we'll see what happens with him We might even sign a new deal who knows who knows if the money's on the table um if the money's on the table uh, da, 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 da. um did you, is that right i didn't see this that apparently john Percy is uh, reporting that negotiations have restarted well it was more or less reported that, that that douglas Louise was going to sign a new contract like a week and a half ago um And it never—it was never fully announced, and I think this is—I think there was opportunistic bids came in from Arsenal, Liverpool, Atletico Madrid when he hadn't signed the the deal. Um, so maybe he does come back to the table and he says, "Hey, listen, you know, at the end of the day, guys, maybe let's talk. Maybe throw an extra seven or eight or ten grand on top of the on top of the weekly wage. I don't know—is he worth that? At the end of the day, guys, he's—he was a squad player for us. He was a squad rotation player for us at this moment in time. At this very moment in time, and and it was funny because I was getting ribbed by by some um, random random accounts in my DMs, and there were actually Arsenal fans saying, "You guys need to let us have Douglas Louise. He's going to be great for us. You guys can stick to signing people off people off Wolves bench." And I went back to him. I said, "The lack of the irony here, or the lack of self awareness here, is incredible. Considering you're signing a man off Aston Villa's bench." And uh, literally, it was just radio silence. And they were like, oh, man, ratio season or something they said back. And at that stage, I knew how he'd won the argument. Um, but anyway, you don't get involved with random accounts in DMs. Um, is what I learned today. Um, so that's Leander the Donker. Um, and look, lads, if we lose, lose him on a free, we lose him on a free. You know. Um, if we did, if we didn't have, a, oh, there's a mark in my room. If we didn't have a replacement for him, and we and we sold him for twenty five million, now we don't have a replacement for him. I think that's worse. I think it's worse to have a to have a hole in the squad that we couldn't replace than it is to accept twenty five million and go, oh well, look great business for the club. Does it? Would would anyone disagree with that? Would anyone disagree with the fact? Like pop it into the comments. There, does anyone disagree with? With the, the, the premise of this, that we couldn't find a replacement of a suitable quality. And I'm not saying we couldn't find any replacement. I'm saying we couldn't find a replacement of a suitable quality for him. I still, to this day, I still, to this very moment in time, think that we were negotiating hard for Conor Gallagher because Chelsea went away and, and signed Zakaria. And I think we were negotiating hard for Conor Gallagher and we couldn't get it done on loan. We couldn't get it done on a permanent, whatever the hell it was. Um, and I still hold out hope. That one of these that like were 29 minutes after the after the window, we wake up in the morning and we go, one of these deals that wasn't reported was Connor Gallagher actually signed on loan. It was a deadline day signing, and the papers were tra- were were received 13 seconds before Big Ben's chimes went off. We, we we see it maybe once every two transfer windows, something like that happened. Not holding my breath. But uh I like if you if you can't get the replacement in there. It's stupid to just sell him for the twenty five million and go, Oh, we we recouped twenty five million. Twenty grander scheme of things, twenty five million probably you know, doesn't butter any parsnips to 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 a hole in the squad, I don't think. But I could be wrong. You guys might uh, you you guys might um, might think different. You guys might think different for me. Uh... I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly. Yeah, and, and like AVFC Jared, I, I know where you're coming from. I know you're really frustrated the last couple of weeks, and you've, you know, and that's fine. But like, talking about Arsenal having the last laugh, like, we didn't have, like, we signed Kamara on a free Like, teams are going to always sign players on a free transfer. Players are going to move more often on free transfers. And PSG signed Sergio Ramos, the, Donnarumma, on a free transfer. You know, there'll be bigger clubs than us that will lose players on free transfers to bigger clubs than them. And, I like as I say, if we could get a replacement in here, the twenty-five million would be fine. So I, 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 think, I think to just say that, oh, Arsenal have done us dirty here, or Arsenal are going to have the last laugh, or Arsenal have really kind of negotiated us around in circles. I just don't think it's true, to be honest with you, because I think from the, from the, from the, the, the standpoint of, like, if we had a hole in our, hole in our squad, we'd all still be giving out that we've a hole in our squad. So. Um, I think I think they've done the right thing if they couldn't get the replacement in. And I think that the ideal thing would be if they could have sold it for twenty five million and, and gotten in somebody like a Connor Gallagher or even better, you know, somebody that we hadn't hadn't been linked with or hadn't thought of. But uh for the time being, yes, he I, he may go on a free end. Look, them's them's the ru- the risks you run. Um and hopefully we we will be able to sign a replacement for him then if that is the case. So um yeah, but like as I say, it's a. Uh, it is a frustrating time. I'm frustrated as well, but as I say, we've signed two new players, and I think that they're two players, that were, two types of players that we needed. I haven't spoken about Jan Bednarak. I'm going to add him up to the screen to the to the stream here as well because I genuinely believe he's somebody who gets. I I I think he's going to be more once again more functional for Villa than than people will think. Um. I uh, like and once again I'm probably thinking from my own point of view at the minute whereby. You know, I'm I'm pretty down on Kanza. Like, I'm not going to sit here and rewrite history. The last three weeks, I've pretty much called him out in every post match game because he's been bad. He's been bad to start the season. He's been physically, like, what I mean, physically. Like, and I go back to that game against Spurs again. Spurs Harry Kane singled him out and stood on him and won every single knockdown in that game. I'm not sure that anybody is going to be able to do that as, as well with, with the six-foot-two Jan Bednerek. I'm just not. Um, and, and it gives me hope that we'll be able to lock down that right-hand side. Lock it down, figuratively speaking. I'm not going to say that we're going to be rock-solid down there because I still don't think that our full-backs are up to the calibre of being that bomb forward, bomb back at, at, at the moment. And I think you know maybe, maybe with having Bednarek on the right-hand side, Ming's left side, then Donker dropping into the middle at times. Maybe it gives us a bit more balance and allows the guys to go to go wide. And and, and the reason I say that is because when you look at Bednarik's uh, heat map here, and I spoke about this in the pod earlier on today uh, in more detail. Like over the course of the years, Jan Bednarik has had to defend w- out wide and has to be pulled out into those positions out wide when he's had fullbacks like Walker Peters and Vare- Varelli or Valeri or, or, or I can't remember what his name is. Um, and when he's had to pull them out uh, when they've gone forward, them being that because they've they've created the width. Southampton play that weird tactic that I've spoken about a million and one times—the Haslulut tactic, where they play a four-two-two-two. Two, two. That's what they pay, They play super narrow, and they play in quadrants throughout the course of the field. And what happens is the movable pieces are the two fullbacks who go forward, the Levermentos and the the um Kyle Walker Peters and so on you know whoever else they have at full back it escapes my mind at the moment and they go forward and there's crossing of the of the full of the the um attacking midfielders and the two midfielders further back then go wide does this sound familiar go wide to replace the full backs who go forward but they stay they stay a bit higher to create that high press and the two the two center halves kind of pull wide as well you can see it by his by his heat map here, Jan Bednrak. He spends a lot of time out by the wing, and he and it's not as if he's played right back as such. So this gives me kind of hope, and I meant, and I, I apologize for this, I meant to put an overlay in a different color of what Kanza's heat map was, just to show how um, more, see, was there a difference with the conciseness that Kanza plays with? I know Kanza goes further up the field than Jan Bednrak does. Now, Jan Bednrak isn't a speedster either, but he's going to be a bit sturdy. Like um so you know he brings different attributes I think to the team than uh than a Kanza even than a Chambers. Even than than Chambers would do. Um we can see here by the by the aerial map or by the radial map, should I say here, like Chambers again, there's a reason I haven't had Chambers on this previously a sample set is very, very small. But I put him on here just to see because, look, we're we're at the end of the transfer window now. We might as well see where all our four centre halves fit in. For those of you that are hard of sight, Kanza is the white line. Um, Mings is the pink line. Chambers is the red line. And Bednarak is the yellow line. So we can see that, you know, when we take out Callum Chambers statistics, Bednarak is statistically better than every single one of our centre halves. And he's pretty, when I say, like, he's got a pretty similar style and defensive profile as what he does as a defender, as in, like, what he what he prefers to do with to blocks and stuff like that, as, a, as Tyrone Mings. And at the moment, Tyrone Mings is head and shoulders our best defender. Based on what we've seen so far this season. And with Carlos being injured. So... <clears throat> It's going to be interesting and it'll be interesting to see this he start on Saturday. I, I, I'd i be surprised if he did. I think the Dunker could but I'd be surprised if Bednarak started on Saturday. But very surprised like you're not going to throw him in against Erling Haaland but then again he might then again he might throw him in against Erling Haaland like what's to be lost like you should you should literally go we should be going out in the field and saying okay lads look he's going to score two but let's not let him get three hat-tricks in a row okay let that be our goal today and that might very well be that might very, very well be our tactic for the weekend. Just not let him get a third hat-trick in a row. Um, but I don't know whether Ben starts. But I'd ask you if you could at all, and if you were interested, if you wanted to go back and see the pod I did in them, i we'll discuss it in more detail. Um, very functional defender. A lot of games in the Premier League. A lot of experience. Doesn't need to come up to speed within the league. Like you see Southampton have signed Coletta Carr there. Coletta Carr might want to be very good over the course of the season. Villa need players who can come in and be and know the league straight away, and they've signed two. They've signed two big bigger men in defensive positions, and, and hopefully hopefully pays off for them. I still don't know who's going to put the ball in the back of the net, but that's a discussion probably for another day. And um, we need to stop conceding stupid goals. And you never know, we might always might all, might score one goal from a corner directly from a corner every game throughout the course of the season. That might make things easier. So guys, I'm going to read a couple of your comments there, and then we're going to call it a night at that. If you could, if you could, just give us a thumbs up. I'd really appreciate it. And thank you so much. By the way, I meant to say as well, guys, I've I've put out a ton of podcasts over, over the transfer window. I'm not looking for any praise or, or anything. The reason I'm saying this is that I, I, I did I almost did it on purpose because I really love doing it. The amount of podcasts I do, I'm going to have to pull back in them. I've got... Life is, is is getting in the way at the moment, and I'm going to have to pull back on it, um, uh, from the time being. So a lot of these will be few and far between, um, you know, with regards to statistical analysis, even of the players that we have. But I will try and do them as much as we can, um, throughout the course of the season. We might even have to pull back one or two of the, the, the the post-match pre-match stuff might have to merge together and stuff like that but what i want to do and what i'm saying this is i really appreciate everybody for sticking with us for the whole uh the whole um summer i've said it before but it's uh we formed a real cool community here uh it was like i'm seeing all the same names in the chat and that's cool and look that that's that that almost gives more of a buzz to do these podcasts than than looking and going oh my god we've Another 4,000 or 400 subscribers this month or whatever. That's not really what it's about because it's nearly better coming here. The fact that I can come in here and I must have a conversation with AVFC agent Gerard. I have a conversation with, uh, with Ash Hall or Rex Colt or really random reviews or who else is there. I'm just scrolling through here. AVFC US, Aurelio Gomez, you know, you all you guys. British Mick, who isn't uh, I haven't seen tonight. Richie, you know, all you guys come back the whole time. And that's pretty cool. And I just want to say thanks a million. Before we get on to this, uh, before we go, um, before I look at any of your comments, I just want to say thanks a million for that. Um, look at this. So um, uh, I think this is a fairly, fairly good comment as well. So Snowflake says, part the question about Luis going on a free, we need to stay up more than we need 25 million. It's not ideal, but it is what it is. Yeah, I think it's I think it's very much um, you know, the, the best of a bad lot. You know, we would have loved. I still think, in if you were to put truth serum in everybody's drink in body I think they would have loved to have been in a position to accept the twenty five million and get a get a replacement in. Not that Douglas Luiz is a bad player, um, because we we know he's not a bad player. He's a he's a Brazilian international, and 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 like we've had too many of those down the years at, at, at Villa Park, um. And I'm waiting for the comment to say, yeah, well, Wesley was a Brazilian international while he was at Villa Two, And look how that ended up. Completely different circumstance, I think, in that instance. But uh, I do think that we need the player. We need to have a player in there of that quality. And we just weren't going to get a player in there of that quality um, in time, I don't think. Um, where else are we? Uh, and Matthew, not not picking on you or anything, but Luis is our best player, but Jared doesn't start him. Uh, he uh, he's not he's not our best player. Kamara is our best player. Kamara is a better midfielder. Kamara has been Kamara has been probably the best player for us at start of the season so far. Luis is a good player. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's a bad player, but but uh, but Kamara for me is our best midfielder. And that's probably saying something considering he's 22 years of age. He came in a free transfer from, from Marseille and he's only played five games at the club. And we're already saying, Jesus, if we were out tomorrow for a game, I think things would be pretty stiff out there. Um, but it just goes to show that the midfield we have there is stale. Luis is a good player. McGinn's a good player. We're not getting tunes out of either of the two of them and we're not getting tunes out of Jacob Ramsey this year like we did last year. And I, and as we say, you know, the, there is... There, is, there are players in there that are good, but there are players that aren't playing well. And yes, Luis came in, played really well against West Ham, and I hope he continues to play at that level for the rest of the season, for sure. For sure. I really do. Um... Uh... Um, AVFC agent Jared says, Benarak is as good as House, but not always in the treatment table. Then Donker gives a bit of hype, but will hopefully play along Kamara in a four-two-three-one rather than this horribly open four-three-three. I definitely agree with the second part. I'm, and as I've always said, I'm the conductor of the Courtney House fan train. And and Bednarak is better than House, he, he 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 just is statistically. When you look at it, what he's achieved in the game, he's better than Courtney House. And the reason we didn't keep Courtney House is we did him a solid, we let him go out. I, I'm, I'm. 99% confident in that. It's been told to me by somebody that I do trust. That Courtney House came and said, I've had a nightmare with injuries. I don't want to be fourth choice centre-half. I want to leave and get some game time under my belt and potentially come back to the club after that. But he needed to get his, life, his career back on track at 27 years of age. And Jan Bednarek is a better defender than Courtney House. He, he just is. Um. By every by 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 measure of statistic and by measure of 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 uh, looking at him on the field and also I don't, like Courtney House. I, if Courtney House is Polish, I don't think he gets in the Polish Polish backline. No, that's not a, that's not that's an intangible because the player has to pick people for a national team. It's not picked on a statistical basis or anything like that. But um, yes, I know we could have kept House, but I like I don't think House went to this day. So um, I think I think it's an apples for orange comparison. I think it is, and plus, house is left-footed. Benarak is right-footed, so Benrack's gonna come in on the right-hand side of defense, and it also doesn't give us that, the that um that dichotomy that um that that, that might uh, might appear, and it could still appear later on in the year when we've got we if, if Tyro Mings goes out and we've got only Konza and Chambers, because they're both right-sided centre halves as well. So that's coming down the road too, if it ever happens, um. Da, 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 da. Okay, let's see what else we have here. Um, what else do we have here? Um, Kieran Walsh says I definitely think we have a good set of players. You look at what Potter has done. We just need really strong coaching. These signings will definitely help. I I agree. I think these signings are are structure players. I think they're players who will who will hold their positions uh, correctly and do. I'm not going to say we have players that don't do what they're told, but I think that they're players that we kind of see the wood from the trees from a defensive point of view, and 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 you know, I suppose be a bit more instinctual in defence. Um, but as you say, look, the the big question here over the next however long between now and the World Cup break is going to be: does the coaching improve? Do the tactics improve? Do we see the identity? And I don't. And as I say, we could have brought in four different attacking players as well today. All big-name players. And we'd still have the same question, I think. Do Will these players actually bring us an identity? Um, and will we see any coaching around them? So the, the same questions r- remain. Um, but I suppose we can see that we've plugged a couple of gaps within our team. Oh, but should I do collapse the forest? Well, in fairness, they were going to have one collapse after they I mean, signed, like, half the population of um over the course of the summer. Um but I wonder is he going to go anywhere. I wonder will he go anywhere? Because uh be an interesting one. Um where else are we? Uh Gaz says Stephen Jarrett will be sacked this weekend. I think you've that on copy and paste. I think in a couple of other couple of other podcasts I've done. You've just copied and pasted that one in there. <laughs> Maybe he will. Maybe he will. Like 9 nil seems to be the scoreline that you need to you need to have against you to get sacked. So your man above in dundee, Jack. I've completely forgotten his surname. He got uh got sacked and Scott Parker got sacked after a nine nil. I never want our team to lose nine nil. I never want our team to lose one nil. So I can't ever I, I could never and I know you're not saying this, guys, but I could never cheer for a team to lose. So our manager gets sacked. It's just it's it's not in me to do it. And I know you're not saying that. So don't don't uh, don't think I'm saying that about Joeda. Um, where else are we, guys? Let's talk. Jack Ross—that's his name. Ad. Ad another lad who's been here since day one. Um, Jack Ross was his name. Had a pretty decent managerial record and just never worked out for him at Dundee. I think he was only there since since June as well. Like, so it's a pretty pretty mad sacking, but he hadn't had the best record to start the season. Um, right, lads. I think I'm going to leave it at that. I meant it when I said it earlier. Thank you very much for a fantastic off season. It's uh, it's made it a bit of crack. I hate there not being football. I I said before the season started, I hate that lull where there's no football. And <laughs> be honest with you, I'd go back three months ago again and I'd have that lull where there's no football gladly over some of the football I've seen now. But look, we move on, we get on with it. Uh what was it that uh that um Paul Lambert used to say? Um, on to the next one. What was it? What was it Paul Lambert used to say? I can't I can't remember. Um but uh thanks very much lads for a fantastic off season. As always we will be back with a pre with a pre-match for um Man City. We do have our sorry my nose is itchy there's a mat in the room and I don't know what it is but um we do have our voicemail is still open. We will be doing this I was going to do it tonight we'll do it tomorrow I'm going to pre-record it. So if you want to get these in get your voicemails in you have until I'm going to say you're going to have until noon time tomorrow the cutoff point will be 12 noon i will start recording it will be a pre-recorded podcast i'll record it at half 12 and i'll get it out then around lunchtime talking about your your uh your voicemails so so voicemail again is speakpipe.com forward slash for the love of paul mcgrath pod get your voicemails in there if you so wish and we'll have a little voicemail pod we will also come back tomorrow evening and do a preview of man city um I sorry, actually we won't be back tomorrow evening, sorry, with a preview of Man City. Apologies about that. I just won't have time to do it. Team sheet tantrum and post match for Man City will be on Saturday. And we will take a little bit of a uh, a rest and a break for a while, for a couple of days, um, without any podcast to, to try and recharge the batteries. But thanks very much, everybody. If you could give us a thumbs up, really appreciate it. Love you all. You guys have been absolutely fantastic, and I've loved every second of the off season and the transfer window. And I'm already looking forward to January already. So um, I'm going to leave you on that. Um, we have a tough assignment at the weekend. We will be back for a team sheet tantrum, and we will be back for the for the 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 um. Voicemail podcast. So thanks a million. Go to bed. Stay safe. And all that's left to say is up the fella. Sports Social Podcast Network.